chapter number three. I've asked my friend Leo Chris to come and do our scripture reading this morning. It's a privilege to have several of our men taking turns doing the scripture reading each Sunday. Leo will be doing our scripture reading this morning from 1 Peter chapter number three. If you would prepare yourself, 1 Peter chapter number three. Good morning, church, and happy new year to you all. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8 down to 12. Finally, be uh, all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be faithful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise, blessing, knowing that ye are they unto call that ye should inherit a blessing. For ye that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak be good. Let him issue evil, do good, let him seek peace and enjoy it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But face but face the of the Lord is against them that do evil. This is the word of God. Trust you have your Bibles this morning. First Peter chapter number three. We're going to be taking our text from verses eight down to verse twelve. I'd like to invite you to follow along. Welcome back, many of you that have been out. So glad to see you back. Some of you haven't seen in a long time. I'm looking at you. I'm glad to see you. Uh, several visitors, glad that you guys are here as well. Please uh, feel welcome and know that we are thankful that you're here. Uh, book of First Peter chapter number 3, we'll take our text from there. I'll be there in just a moment. I just want to remind you what we're doing here. So we're walking through a number of passages and over these uh, three weeks in this series on spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines is much like your uh, bodily discipline. If you are going to be a rugby player, and uh, our scripture reading this morning came from uh, Brother Leo did the scripture reading, one of our former famous rugby players. When you look at a body like that, that doesn't happen by mistake, all right? You, you don't just happen to be that way. You eat a certain way, you live a certain way, you ac- exercise a certain way, and you're able to do things that the rest of us can't do. And as a Christian, God has called us to live a certain way. In fact, last week we saw the phrase, be holy as I am holy. A very important phrase that we saw last week, and it has everything to do with our spiritual discipline. You might think like this. All I ever hear those preachers say is, read your Bible and pray and go to church. They just say it all the time. That's all they ever say. Read your Bible, pray, and go to church. Well, maybe we wouldn't have to say it so much if you'd listen. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is, if you are reading the Word of God, and you're spending time in prayer, and you're spending time weekly together with brothers and sisters in Christ, you're setting yourself up spiritual discipline so that you're able to fight against the wiles of the devil, you're able to fight against the strength of the flesh. Friend, there are things that you need to be doing in your spiritual life in order to strengthen yourself and prepare yourself, and it simply does boil down to read your Bible, 
pray, go to church, spend time with other Christians, and today we're going to spend our time focusing on the spiritual discipline of prayer. Last week we saw that God has called us to be holy. That was 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, all the different ways that you live, be holy as he has called you to be holy because it is written, quoting from Leviticus, three different times in the book of Leviticus, be ye holy for I am holy. You see, living in sin and serving God don't go together. You cannot, friend, listen to me closely, you cannot mess around with sin and expect that somehow your spiritual life will just fall into place. You need to discipline yourself. You need to set things in place in your life. And this is a great time for us to talk about it. Beginning of the year, challenge you. Read your Bible. Spend time in prayer every day. Make this a part of your life. Listen, there are types of sin that might just be tripping you up. The book of Galatians in chapter 5 lists them out. These are the works of the flesh is what it calls it. It's the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. When Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, don't think, I just go get this fruit and put it in my belum and it's going to make me who I am. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. These are not things that you go and get and bring them to your life. Fruit is what comes out from within. And so the fruit of walking in the Spirit, having that consistent spiritual walk, the fruit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and you know the rest of them. The opposite of that is the works of the flesh. Very same passage. And I'll put some of them up here on the screen for you. Galatians 5 and verse 19. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Let those words sink in. This past week, Papa John and Ryan and myself drove out to Anita. We did that on New Year's Day. You know anything about driving on New Year's Day, you already know what we, what, we, what we came across. The word reveling and drunkenness describe the entire trip. And it started right here at Baruni, and it went through Garahu, and it went through Nine Mile, and it continued all the way out. Burned tires, trees across the road, Drunkards in the road trying to stop us. Drunkenness, revelings, causing strife. And I'll be honest this morning, as I drove, I did not get angry. I certainly didn't find it funny. Where my heart went was brokenness. Because verse 21 makes it very clear. 
they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And I know that it's easy for us this morning, first Sunday in 2024, it's easy for us at Capital City Baptist Church for us to point our fingers and say, oh, look at what those drunkards did. But can I take a few minutes and walk through verses 19 to 21 and provide some cautions for your life this morning? I look back at verse 19. Adultery and fornication. The word for fornication is porneia, which means all sorts of sexual immorality. In other words, if it's sensual and it's not with your spouse, it's sin. That's fornication. Lasciviousness, shameless lust. I want, I want, I want, and I'll do whatever it takes to get what I want. Idolatry, worshiping anything other than God Almighty. John Calvin reminds us that the heart is an idol factory. Your heart is just continually pumping out different things that are idols. And if you will worship this one, that's fine. And if you're not going to worship that one, here comes another one. You can worship that one instead. Idolatry. These are the works of the flesh. Witchcraft. Hatred. Variance. Variance is contention or stirring up strife. Isn't it interesting that the Apostle Paul writes those three together? Witchcraft, hatred, variance. He puts on the same par, he puts on the same level of sin, something like going on social media and stirring up anger and strife, puts it on the same level with witchcraft. I'm not going to tell you that there's no such thing as witchcraft. The scripture says there is. I will tell you you're not supposed to take it upon yourself to mete out justice. That's not yours. But the Apostle Paul puts them on the same level. Witchcraft and variance, emulations, that's jealousy, and wrath, and strife, and seditions, that's causing divisions, and heresy, teaching others falsehoods, or envy, or murder. These are the works of the flesh. And God has called you as a believer to put away the works of the flesh, put off the old man, put on the new man, be holy as he is holy. He's called you to live differently, Christian. Church, we are to be holy. And if you're going to get there, it's going to take some spiritual discipline in your life. Last week we saw from 1 Peter chapter 1 the need for you to be spending time reading the Word of God, spending time daily reading. And I'm going to ask you a question right now, and I know that probably... 25% of you that are here today were not here last week. Welcome back, welcome visitors. And so please don't allow this moment to be awkward for you. But if you were here last week and you picked up one of these Bible reading plans, let's see, I've got them, here they are. If you picked up one of these Bible reading plans off the table last week, or perhaps if you uh, had a different Bible reading plan and you followed through with it this week, I want to see how many of us followed through with reading our Bibles this last week. The Word is doing its impacting work in your life. I want to see how many of you, you can raise your hand. There's nothing to be ashamed of here. I'm loving this. Look already, lots of hands already. I'm reading the Bible, and I'm, I've stuck with it each day this week. Keep them up, and, and now I'm going to do, switch to another thing. This is not an awkward moment at all. It's okay. I'm not going to call you up here, I promise. Let me give you a moment of one-anothering. You can put them down. I'll have you put them up again in just a second. 
one anothering. We'll talk about this next week. The importance of the church body. One anothering. That is, I see my Christian brother is living right and I speak into his life and I tell him, that's an encouragement to me. And, and so I, in doing that, I'm encouraging him to continue on in his faithful walk. Remember, we are a covenant community. We've promised that while we're in our right mind, we will come and get each other when we go to our wrong mind. We've made that promise to each other. That's one another. And so in this too is a moment for us to look at each other and say, I see that you're reading the Bible every day. Me too, I'm reading the Bible every day. And I'm going to encourage you. And next week, we're going to catch up again. And we're going to see, hey, how'd you do? I read this week, and this is how far I got. And I'm excited about this. This is a growing thing in my life. Now, also, if you can't honestly raise your hand, it's okay. We're being honest. Remember, you're in church. Don't lie. If you don't raise your hand, it's okay. Because the Scriptures tell us, Older women, look for younger women that you can help to encourage to grow in the, in the faith. And older men, look for younger men. Younger men, maybe younger men, you're not able to raise your hand. You can look around and see one of those older men that does raise their hand, and you might say, that one I'm going to aspire, and you can reach out to them and say, hey, could you encourage me in my faith? And so I'm going to ask you to do it one more time before we go further. If you have been reading this last week, Monday to come to Friday, you said, I've been reading in this new year, 2024, I'm reading, I'm dedicated to reading every day this year, and I've done it this week. Would you raise your hand again? You already raised them, it's okay, you raise it again, good, 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 good. Now have a look around. This isn't, look how many, how, how didn't, it, look around. Who can you encourage? You can put your hands down. And so my goal in this is that we continue with our spiritual discipline. It wasn't just for one week. This is our spiritual discipline. Like the rugby player watches what he eats, like he lifts the weights and doesn't just do upper body weights, he's doing leg day. He's putting in the time so that he can be strong. You and I need to be spending time in the Word. Now come with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. I'll read verses 8 and 9. And we'll have a look down through what he's saying in verses 8 and 9. By the way, 1 Peter chapter 3, he's writing to Gentile believers that live mostly in what is now Turkey. They are under great persecution because Nero has burned down Rome and blamed the Christians for it. Peter writes to them, encouraging them. At this point in the book, chapter, the end of chapter 2 and the first part of chapter 3, he's giving them the ways that they should live uh, things like how to be a good citizen, how to act towards government, how to act towards uh, your employer, how to act within the family. And now he's giving some general advice and how they should act towards one another. And here's verse number eight. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous, uh, cur cur be courteous. Now, not, uh, sorry, verse 9, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, uh, contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. Now, I'll quickly walk through the passage so we can focus on the purpose of the passage. Finally, finally, these five verses come at the end of this section where he says, 
Live this way, live this way, live this way. And finally, live this way. Be of one mind. I'm sorry, it is just getting my attention. Is it raining outside? Such an odd sound in Port Moresby. (laughs) Praise the Lord for the rain. (laughs) Be all of one mind, he says. Unity, the importance of unity amongst believers. It doesn't mean that you and I, each one of us, has to be a cookie-cutter, identical uh, repetition of the other one, but instead we work together to have unity among brethren. He says, have compassion one of another. Show care towards one another. And that will fit nicely into next week's sermon. Love as brethren. Have brotherly love towards one another. Another passage calls it the bowels of mercy. Have bowels of mercy. Bowels is your inward parts. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen to where... This this is is a a great picture of this. Your, your, Your brother, I'll say your physical biological brother is going through a difficult time in their life and your soul yearns for them. That's the, that's the picture. And so here we're to have brotherly love one towards another within the body of Christ. Don't think, church, don't think, well, we just happen to attend the same church. No, we are brothers and sisters in Christ that have covenanted together. I'll leave that for next week. Brotherly love. Be pitiful. It doesn't mean go be pitiful over in the corner. No, it means be full of pity. Show pity towards another. Tender-hearted is the idea here. I find it amazing that some people will show tenderness towards a puppy dog, but they won't show it towards their brothers and sisters in Christ. Be pitiful. Be full of pity. Be tender towards one another. Be courteous, friendly, and kind. Not rendering evil for evil. When someone does you wrong, how do you return to them? The the world returns evil for evil. You and I as Christians are called to be different. You don't return evil. Jesus' statement, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, they smite you on the left cheek, turn and give them the right one. This is a different way that you and I are called to live. Not returning evil for evil. And as Peter writes this, yes, those Christians were going through evil. They were being literally persecuted for their faith. And he says, don't don't return evil for evil. I think that perhaps a good example or illustration of that was here within our church body when we were a very young church body. It was back in 2016 when the Nichols went, were living up on the hillside, went through their home invasion. If you don't know the story, I can tell you another time. Very terrible thing that happened to their family. And I think in the days that came afterwards, there were well-intentioned, good brethren, church brethren, not from our church, but from other churches that came and sat with us, and I remember them asking, tell us who it was that did it and where they live. We will go and burn their houses down. And I said to my brothers and sisters in Christ, I cannot do that. Why? Because we don't return evil for evil. We knew exactly where they lived. It was easy to find out where they lived because they stole an iPhone and they didn't 
have enough brains to turn it off. We could track them. We knew right where they lived. <laughs> Suppose you want to blow school. You stealing my phone? Off him, yeah. <laughs> and yet, if we had returned evil for evil, how different are we from the world? He's called us to live holy. Think of how He reacted to us when we, with our sin, sent Him to the cross. As a sheep before the shearer is dumb, He opened not His mouth. He did not return unto us what we deserved. And then He continues on here in 1 Peter 3. He continues on. Or railing for railing. Don't give evil for evil or railing for railing. And he's not talking about the side rails on the road. He's saying your speech, your railing, the way you speak. If they speak evil of you, don't even return the, spe the speaking evil back. So, I'll tell you what kind of person he is. That's railing. He says, don't even do that. Just carry it. Knowing, the words that, contrary wise, Blessing. And that word blessing there is the same word that we translate today as eulogy. You go to a funeral, it's not a eulogy, it's a eulogy. There's no O in there. Eulogy. And the word eulogy, you and I know what that means. It means to stand and talk well of someone. And here he says, when someone gives you railing and does you evil, you don't return them evil, you don't return them railing, you return them blessing. Speak well about them. Lift them up in front of others. Knowing, and notice the words that are used here at the end of this verse, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. Do you realize what he just said? You've been called to live this way, and if need be, carry these burdens that you also might receive a blessing. I would rather that God bless me, whether in this life or the one to come, than for me to get short-term enjoyment by railing back against someone, or returning short-term vengeance for what they've done evil against me. Remember the words that we saw in 1 Peter 1.7 last week, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes. Do you realize what he's saying? The trial of your faith is more precious than gold that perishes. Why? Because gold will finish. We said it last week. I'll repeat it again. The phrase, money talks. It always says to me, goodbye. It perishes. You might get gold, but it'll go away. You know what doesn't go away? The trial of your faith brings something. It causes you to lean upon your Savior. God, I don't know how to go through this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to lean against you. And this is much more precious than any financial gain. And it will be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus comes, you'll find it to be much more precious than whatever you had in your bank account. And that's the way that we're called to live. It's different and it's holy and it's how God wants us to live. I'll continue reading 1 Peter 3, verse 10. He's going to quote the Psalms here. This is Psalm 34. He reads, we read in verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil hate evil, and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it, follow after it. 
pursue peace. You love life and you want long days. You want to see good days in your life. Watch what you say. He continues on in verse 12, still quoting from Psalm 34, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Did you get that? God hears the prayers of the righteous. His ears are opened. He said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. Friend, I want God to listen to my prayer. Now, He speaks to me through His Word. There's no other way. He speaks to me through His Word. He doesn't give me dreams and visions. I don't sit there in prayer and push my eyes until I hear something in my head. He speaks to me through His Word. But I speak to Him in prayer, and more importantly than me getting to speak to Him is the fact that He hears. He, he never puts us in line. He never sets you on hold. You never get a busy signal from Him. He always listens to the righteous. And so if I want God to hear my prayer, then I should be righteous. Or, as we've said throughout the sermon, holy. I need to be living right in order for God to be listening to my prayer. And so I want to spend the majority of the rest of our time together. I want us to see what are some hindrances to our prayer. What are some things that would cause God not to listen to your prayer? And they're very clear from Scripture. Uh, the first one is directly tied here. And the first one, I, I just point at sin. Sin in your life will cause God not to listen to your prayer. It'll hinder your prayer. We've mentioned that already here from 1 Peter 3. I'll give you a verse from Psalm 66, the book of Psalms, in verse, chapter 66 and verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I regard iniquity, if I let sin stay here, Scripture says that the Lord will not hear my prayer. Friend, I'll say it again. I want God to listen to my prayer. I need Him to. He answers prayer and He moves heaven and earth and He does things in mighty ways. His heart is inclined to answer the prayers of His children. The scripture speaks much to this fact. And yet, sin in my life, regarded in my heart, will keep Him from listening. Let me read for you, or I'll quote for you, the book of Psalms, chapter 34. This is what Peter's, Peter's quoting, and yet the Psalms give a greater emphasis to the negative. Here's Psalm 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. I wonder if you might be categorized this morning as evil or as righteous. I know if you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that you are declared righteous in the sight of God. I know that. But I also know from Scripture that if you're living with sin, is, your sin will hinder Him from hearing your prayer. Be careful, friend. He is the righteous judge and He always does right. 
He knows every bit. Don't think that you can hide from Him. I think, as I see how judges work, prosecution and judges... Recently, I read a a court case, and it caused me to begin to meditate. I I read about a court case where a a man had murdered someone. And and it got brought before the judge, and I thought it was pretty open and shut. The guy murdered someone. It's pretty open and shut. That's easy to see. And yet, when it came time for the judge to pass the judgment, it was more than just one crime. He had done, he was charged with a number of crimes. I want to say the guy had been charged with about eight different crimes, and in my mind, he just killed somebody. But then when the prosecution brought it before the judge, there was, oh, he stalked that person, and he had intent to kill, and he murdered and he ran from the police and he all of these different things that added up and in my mind it was just he just did one thing it was the big one that covered up everything and when the prosecution came they brought a whole list of things and I think to myself when a person says well I just have this one sin when you bring that one sin and it's clarity before God Almighty the judge of the earth When you bring that one sin before him, just think of all of the other sins that have been involved with it as well. Think with me. Here, here, I'll just use one that might come to the top of your mind. Adultery. You might just say, well, it's just adultery and we're just consenting adults, so as long as nobody else finds out, it'll be okay. And you hide and regard that sin in your life. Think about these. You have now, commandment number one, put something before God Almighty. How about commandment number three? While you're living as a Christian, you're taking the name of God in vain. Uh, Commandment number ten, you've been coveting after someone else's wife. Commandment number eight, you stole someone else's wife. Uh, Commandment number nine, you've been lying about your own life. And commandment number seven, you've been committing adultery. But you thought, I just had one, but God, the righteous judge, has accumulated all of these. Don't regard sin in your life. Let it go. Be holy, as he's holy. Don't trample, if you're a Christian this morning, don't trample the blood of Christ. I'll move on. You're there in 1 Peter 3. The second one is lesser known, and it's in verse 7. So we took our text from verse 8 and following. Slide your eyes up to verse 7, and you'll see the second thing that would hinder your prayer. And and I'll just simply identify it as the lack of care for your wife. Now, if you're you're a wife here and you've got husbands, just sit back and relax. I'll let you know when you can come back, okay? Uh, Verse 7. If you're a husband, this one's definitely for you. Pay attention. Verse 7. Likewise, you husbands... Dwell with them, that's your wife, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That last phrase, very clear, that last phrase, your prayers can be hindered because of your lack of care for your wife. I'll admit... I was a Christian for a long time before I learned that. I thought, my relationship with my wife is my relationship with my wife. I had no idea that that would have an impact on my relationship with God. Now, now let me just walk through it real quickly and let you see what does this look like. Husbands, verse 7, dwell with your wife according to 
knowledge. What does that mean? It means get to know what she likes and live with her in knowledge of what she likes. So if your wife likes plants, get her some dirt. Practical. Gentlemen, write that down, take it home. You're welcome. Three points. If your wife likes to make velums, get her some wool. Or she likes to sew, get her a sewing machine. If she likes to read, get her a book. Or if she likes your presence, wash the dishes. I know, you and me, Papua New Guinea, I'm upside down, ting, ting, yeah. But hang on, brothers and sisters, dwell with your wife according to knowledge. He didn't say, oh man, up him name blue you, not talk him all underneath, not behind him you. He didn't say that. He said, dwell with her according to knowledge. Treat her well. And then he continues on and says, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And I know what we want to do right here is we want to run straight to, yeah, I told you, I'm the stronger vessel. Ting, ding, blow me, good blah, not ting, ding, blow you, e no good blah. That's not what he just said. Don't treat her as weaker mentally. I will be the first to assent that my wife is stinking genius. She knows, she'll come to me and say things like, I think there's something wrong. I didn't even know there was something wrong yet. And she asked me, what's wrong? I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. She knows something's wrong before I do. And when it comes to minute little details of administration, she's gifted. She can do administration in ways that I can't. She can have all these little details. And you know what I want to do? She little details. Yeah, let him go. We're going to go on with life. I'm thankful that God has given me a wife that's able to compliment me in areas of my life that I need help in. And yet, I am to treat her with honor as the weaker vessel. What does that mean? It means that God gave you a bigger body. That's what it means. Usually, and it's important that I say usually, usually the man is stronger than the woman. Usually. There are exceptions. I won't go there. <laughs> but there, usually, the man is stronger than the woman, and God has called you as the man to be the burden bearer in the home. And so, carry the burdens. And if that means she's been at home all day taking care of the children, and you think that you've had the hard job sitting at the desk, answering phones and pushing papers, and you think that you've had the hard job, and then you get home, you tired straight, you have no idea what all she's been going through as she has caught this one from putting his, her, his finger in the light socket and this one from running out into the street and trying to keep them all in line. And, and you come home and you say, I want to be served. No, how about if you live with her according to knowledge and serve her? And then he says, you guys are together, heirs of the grace of life. You are both inheriting the grace of life. God has given this grace called life to the both of you. Live it well together. And if you don't, your prayers will be hindered. Be careful. Be careful. Thirdly, a lack of forgiveness. A lack of forgiveness will hinder your prayers. A lack of forgiveness. Here's Matthew chapter 6. 
And Jesus at this point was giving the, what we would call the model prayer. His disciples said, teach us to pray. And so he said, if you, when you pray, pray like this. And he gave them a model. I, I'll be honest, I almost use that as our text today. Uh, Jesus gave this as a model prayer. You might know it as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In that prayer, he speaks specifically to something that would hinder your prayer. And here's Matthew 6 and verse 12. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As. That word as is very important. Don't just go through the Lord's Prayer and say, well, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation. Give us our daily bread as if it was something that you just have to get through. For thine is the kingdom, power, and glory. Amen. It's not a race. The words that he said have meaning. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As. And he went on two verses later to explain what he meant. So here's Matthew 6 and verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So in other words, God ties directly your forgiveness of others to His forgiveness of you. And that's pretty important. That's rather weighty. Listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which... No man shall see the Lord. I want peace with others and holiness before God. And I need to be forgiving others. We've said this many times before, and I'll repeat it again today. Your vertical relationship will be displayed in your horizontal relationships. Your vertical relationship with God will be displayed in your horizontal relationships with others. If you are not having good horizontal relationships with others, if you are not seeking peace with others, there's a really good chance that you haven't got a good relationship with God vertically. Fourthly, your own pride. Your pride will hinder your prayers. Jesus gave an illustration in the book of Luke, and he told about two guys that went to the temple these two fellows, one was a publican and one was a Pharisee. And I'll tell you, that Pharisee that day, he had everything together. He had it all right. He wore the right clothes and he had his hair done the right way. I think he had the right shoes. Everything was perfect. In fact, when he came, he was certain that he came right. At the same time, there was a publican, a sinner, that came to the temple that day. And that publican came to pray. And I'll tell you, he probably didn't even wash before he came for the service. Jesus tells the story, and here he picks it up. This is Luke chapter 18 and verse 11. Jesus describes them. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And let me pause here and say, none of the things that he was doing were wrong. Praying is right, fasting is right, tithing is right, but it was his pride that was wrong. 
And then we switch over to the publican, and Jesus describes the publican in verse 13. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his own breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. You see, a very big difference between these two. The Pharisee, I'm right, I know it. So God, recognize me because I'm so good. And the publican, on the other hand, God, I'm just a sinner and I don't deserve to be brought into your presence. Would you just show some mercy upon me? I cannot even but raise my eyes towards heaven. God, be merciful to me. Now watch what Jesus has to say in the summary of this story because the summary tells us what Jesus is trying to teach us. Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Do you see? Your pride can hinder your prayer. God, I want to be humble before you, because when I'm humble, I know that you will hear my prayer. And so I challenge you this morning, come boldly because of Jesus, Come boldly, but come humbly. Don't think that it's because of you that you get to go before Him. It's not what I have done. It's what He has done. I'll close with a picture that Christ used about prayer. Jesus made the statement that prayer is like a child coming to a father. Here's, this is Luke 11, verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? And he gives about three more of them. He asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? Asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? In other words, when your child comes to you and asks you for something... You, as a good father, will give what the child needs. You won't give something that will harm your child. And if that's how it is for us with our own earthly children or as children with our earthly fathers, how much more will he as our good heavenly father? And this is him saying this. Jesus said it in verse number 13. If ye then, being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? I see two things going on in that verse, by the way. I see, one, He gives good gifts, and I see, second, that the greatest gift is that He gives you the Holy Spirit. As you pray, He lets the Holy Spirit be the one who does the praying. Oh, I see wonderful things happening there. And, and as I meditated this week on this picture of a child praying, I thought of an illustration from our own lives, Becky and I, from our lives, that I think that most of you would have gone through. Our girls are now grown and gone. They're living their own lives. But when they were small, they went through a thing called potty training. How many of you put your children through potty training? Do you know what I'm talking about? Toilet train? Now, there we go. You, you taught your children to stop using the nappy and start using the toilet. We did it with our two girls. We also trained a third child. I won't name that third child. That person is now grown and among us, and so I won't embarrass that person. 
There's, we've done it three times. And, and there was a day, and I can just imagine from the child's view what this was like. Aren't you glad that you don't remember those days? <laughs> you look back on life, I don't remember those days. I'm so glad I don't remember those days. Uh, I, I just, from the child's view, I get to wear nappies, and nappies take care of everything, and I just get to go through life, and life is great. And then one day, mom says to you, we're putting the nappies away. You will not be wearing nappies anymore. And it's almost like, hang on a second. That's what I need. I, I think I have a memory of one of our kids when we told them, you're no longer wearing nappies. I think I remember that child cried and went and got a clean one and hugged it. This is, you don't take this away from me. And I want you to think about how difficult nappies were at Kodidanga. When we lived at Kodidanga, the only way in, you fly it in. So we come down here to Waterfront and buy nappies by the caseload for three months. And what do we do with them? We fly them out there, a child messes in them, and then they don't burn. We cook the rubbish out in Kodidanga. You cook the rubbish. There's no city dump. You cook the rubbish. Nappies don't burn. So we dug so many holes and buried nappies. And can you just imagine, here's a little kid, but I like my nappies. I want my nappies. And inevitably, every single one of the kids that we did potty training with, and probably you did the same with your children, probably saw the same thing happen. Every single one of them, at some point in the training period, as they're learning how to stop using a nappy and start using a toilet, at some point they had a mistake. And if your kids were like my kids, it worked something like this. They were playing, and they're loving life, and they're having a great time, and all of a sudden they realize, oops, I did something I wasn't supposed to do, and then they went and hid. Did any of your kids do that? They went and hid, and they go and hide, and I have, a, I have a distinct memory of one of our kids coming out from behind a table. There's table and chairs there, and that child comes out from behind the table and chairs and looks and wants to go somewhere and just waddling. You know what I'm talking about, right? Now, you know what a bad dad does in that moment? A bad dad goes, I didn't see that. No, a bad dad, a bad dad says, you made your mess. That's up to you. Your problem now. We told you how to take care of things. You didn't do it. You're walking around. Look at you. That's what a bad dad does. Please don't be a bad dad. But you know what a good father does? A good father comes over. We're going to talk about it. But a good father comes over and says, all right, Junior, Princess, hey, it looks like you made a mess. Now let's go get you cleaned up. You go and get cleaned up, and after you get cleaned up, you know what's next? Well, we're going to come back over. Junior's got a clean pair of clothes on. There's no problem now. And we're going to sit down on the chair, and I'm going to put Junior on my knee, and I'm going to sit there, and we're going to read a book, or we're going to tell stories, or we're going to watch TV together, and we're going to laugh, and we're going to have a good time. And 10 minutes later, he's going to forget that he made a mess in his trousers. I'll remember it but I won't bring it up. You know why? Because I've forgiven him for it. We have a good heavenly father. Do you remember the words of 1 John 1, 8 and 9? We'd be making messes in our nappies all the time. 
If you say that you have no sin, you deceive yourself. The truth is not in you. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friend, all you got to do is come to the Father. You see, there are things that will hinder your prayers, but if you'll come to the Father and confess them, He'll take care of them. He'll get them out of the way, and He'll bring you into fellowship with Him. And ten minutes later, taking care of it. We get to enjoy sweet fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Now, can I bring your eyes? You're probably still opened at 1 Peter chapter 3. If you're there, would you look at one verse with me? Because I want to close with this verse. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayer. So brothers and sisters, remove the hindrances to prayer. He stands waiting, ready to forgive. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the promise that You will forgive our sins. It is not because of who we are. It's everything to do with Jesus going to the cross and taking our sins on the cross. And because of the Lord Jesus taking our sins, we're able to come to You for salvation and be made right with You. As believers, we're able to come to You, confess our sin, have it cleared away, and have a right relationship with You, our Heavenly Father. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that we would put away those hindrances to our prayer. I pray that we would have a right relationship with you. And, Lord, we thank you that you've promised that your ear is inclined to the righteous. In Jesus' name, amen.